0: PMR podcast, it's Black History Month, and that's what this podcast is going to be dedicated to. I'm Sarah Gafari, I'm an account director at PNMR, and we're very privileged to have PMR client and friend Trevor Sterling with us today. Trevor is a partner and head of major trauma services at the law firm Barlow, um, and he regularly helps some of the most fun with the people who have been through some really traumatic experiences get access to the support that they need for their rehabilitation. Um, he is the chair of the Mary Seacole Trust, a leading charity in the UK promoting the life of Mary Seacole and uh, campaigning for what we can learn from her work. And he's also passionate about the NHS and campaigns for funding and embracing diversity. Um, hello, Trevor.
1: Hello, Simon. So uh, as always, a pleasure to be amongst uh, friends. Uh, and That's how I see PLMR, so a pleasure to, to be speaking with you.
0: Good. Well, thank you. Thank you for speaking with us. I wanted to start by just asking what Black History Month means to you.
1: Black History Month means a lot of things um, because, uh, one, I'm a, a black uh, lawyer, um, and therefore, perhaps some would see that as um, successful. Um, and of course, there are so many obstacles put in front of of people from or people of colour, and therefore, to have made it through. Um, I'd like to think that it's an opportunity for me to shine, to uh, inspire others and to pull them through. But I'm also um, a father. Um, and of course, uh, a lot of the issues out there uh, impact very negatively and adversely on people of colour. Uh, and I have to somehow use this uh, month, if uh, not just a month, because it should be more than a month, but use this time as an opportunity to uh, ensure that my children get to recognize some of the great work done and contributions made by by people um, of color and lastly it's, it can be quite a traumatic time because i 'm often asked to speak about my own personal experiences, and those experiences were very difficult experiences, particularly when I was a child and so it does bring up a lot of um, horrible past memories, but it 's actually important. Uh, For me to be able to talk about those, so that others can learn from those experiences.
0: And you, right? And you said, you know, you said at the beginning you are a successful, very successful lawyer. What, looking back at your sort of professional career and and your and your life, what do you what do you put towards? You know, what has led you to become this successful, despite some of the um, experiences that you faced and perhaps some challenges? You know, what, what
1: has got you to, to where you are today? You know, it, it's a really interesting question because I think there are a couple of things which might surprise people. Um, one, I don't really see myself as necessarily successful. I see myself as having not uh, having achieved as much as I perhaps ought to have done. And that sounds a bit strange, but there are people uh, perhaps around me who have done uh, less all the same but actually would be objectively seen as more successful. So a lot of people wouldn't know who I am or my work even though I've run some of the biggest cases that this uh, country has seen and I think that sometimes it's very hard to or harder to shine uh, if you're from my background. What what got me here I think is really a fear. Um, It's a fear of being the thing that people expect me to be that negative uh, stereotype so there's this sort of drive To prove everybody wrong and Mm. it's exhausting but in every situation if whether you're walking down the street and someone's looking over um, their shoulder because you're behind them or you go to buy something which might be expensive and they assume that you can't afford it these are all the things that you're trying to to dismantle in terms of perception so when the opportunity came for me to be in law i was determined to prove everybody wrong to prove um i could be a lawyer and then the final bit of fear is that um, there's always the fear that I'll end up uh, going back. So whatever I've done, whatever my last piece of success was, it's very quickly, in my mind, consigned to history because the the first mistake I make, then I could end up being back where many people perhaps uh, would have thought I ought to have been.
0: Yeah, wow. <laughs> um, and, and so what do you... I guess having having had that experience and having lived those experiences, what are your what are your hopes for you know young people coming up through the, the channels now so they don't have to have those same experiences so they don't have to live off fear you know what should we be doing as you know as employers and as you know consultants and as people who are you know members of British society how can we all contribute to this to so that young black people? In the UK, I guess don't have those same experiences that you had. That we can better ourselves, so that that doesn't
1: happen anymore. Well, you know, it's interesting. So I don't um, define my life by what people uh, think of me. Um, I try and break down perceptions, negative perceptions. But I don't. I'm not. You know, I don't define my life by by how people think I ought to behave. Um, the things that drive me in terms of my behaviour are simple things which I hope to inspire in other people, in my children, in in other children and so forth. It's to make other people proud. It's as simple as that. You know, my my, um, driving passion has always come from understanding my parents' experiences, understanding what brought them to this country, understanding why they took on those challenges. And when I see how proud they are, um, it it just, you know, fills me with joy. So if anything, I want to teach other people um, to do the right thing to work hard to 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 give back to to understand uh the challenges of other people um because by doing the right thing actually you, you make the lives of others um a, a lot better uh, and that's that's the challenge the challenge for me is can i make other people's lives better um can i make them feel proud of what i'm doing um, and if we can live in a society like that well it's, it, it will be some um some society so i don't think there's um some particularly special message that I'd want to drive home, other than be a decent human being. Right.
0: We're all trying, <laughs> and and you and you certainly have, I'm sure, made made your parents and your family super super proud. Um, which sort of brings us onto, I guess, the Mary Seacole Trust and the work you do from that. That must be uh, one of the one of the parts of your sort of career, but also just personal life that you're you're, you're most proud of.
1: Yeah, and I'm proud because I think Mary would be proud. Um, and, and, you know, Mary reminds me of my own mother. which sounds like a, uh, perhaps a strange thing to say, but that, that strong kind of feisty character, um, uh, that person that never really looked uh, over the edge of the cliff because if she did, she might fear uh, falling. So she would just walk along the edge without looking down, just walk because she had a direction of travel, and that's where she was going to go. And that was Mary. Mary... Uh, it was a very uh, determined lady who didn't see uh, her history of slavery as, a, as an obstacle. Uh, she saw it as something which um, for her wasn't necessary to focus on because she understood her direction of travel. And her direction of travel uh, was about being caring, being uh, compassionate, was about giving support uh, to soldiers, was about nursing people but also about being a a business person because she felt she could. Um, And when she went to the Crimean War, uh, the idea of being uh, out there, uh, a woman uh, in her 50s, um, is quite incredible when you think how far she traveled, coming to Britain, being rejected, going out to the Crimea. I mean, who would do that even in today's society? You could probably fly where you could fly, but she was doing this by ship. So can you imagine how strong she was as a character and when eventually she came back to England and was forgotten uh, and her business, uh, obviously she became bankrupt um, And but yet she was famous, she was so well known, so well admired and after her death she was forgotten um, and and, that, and that's the thing isn't it, it's, it's how if she wasn't a person of colour she probably would have been stayed on the history books or, or made a way into them at least um, but she was forgotten So. For me, what I think about now is in a hundred years' time, who are we going to be talking about? So if we do the right things now, that could be us. It could be us. That's the one that makes that significant change that breaks through You know, the issues around racism and everything else. It could be us. And so for me, I think the important thing from Mary Seacole's perspective is to look back those hundred odd years and say well this is what happened and now we have a chance to make sure that in a hundred years time you know that doesn't happen again because she deserves a place in history but so do many many people that are doing great things right now and, and she's a symbol for that uh, in, in my eyes
0: and what is what is the what are the sort of what are you looking forward to the most about the trust for the, for the trust for the future what have you sort of got on the books that will you know, will achieve those things that, that you want to be, rem- what do you want the trust to be remembered by, you know, in a hundred years' time?
1: Um, that shape the minds of children. So with our uh, education program, you know, we ask children to identify their modern-day Mary. So they're already thinking about people that have got Mary's qualities and that, that shine in their, in their eyes. So uh, that that's one thing. Our work linking with uh, Jamaica, they've also launched their own Young Seeker Ambassadors initiative, which is fantastic to see young children out in Jamaica, uh, Mary's backyard. Um, also identifying people in in, in, uh, in the in the West Indies in the same way. Um, our diversity program is is really exciting. We you know we published a literature review uh, a while back uh, and had a roundtable around issues uh, in respect of diversity and leadership. So to try and inspire more leaders from diverse backgrounds. Uh, to come through, Uh, engaging in conversations like this where we talk about some of the challenges and issues and look for the solutions, um, and then share those with other people. Uh, Hopefully will help shape um, society in some way. Um, So there there are just so many things, Mary was a woman, person of color, all these other um, attributes, and we can tap into each and every one of those to try and make a difference where a difference needs to be made. And the last thing really, is that in a 100 years' time, um, the statue is still standing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because we are responsible for its maintenance <laughs> and we have to raise uh, a lot of money to make sure that she continues to shine and, and gleam.
0: Yeah, no, that statue's not going anywhere. <laughs> we'll we'll all make sure of that. Um, and you touched on sort of um, hist- history and, you know, we've talked about looking forward but also back, and I think it would be remiss to have not to miss out and not touch on in this conversation, the black lives matter movement and what's happened over the last, well, basically the summer. Um, although of course the movement goes far, far back than that. But what, what happened this summer I think was quite unique Um, both in the USA, but also in the UK. Um, and you know, I think it did for a lot of us, it really did bring the history and experiences and emotions of black people to the center stage and made us far more aware made us better educate ourselves but things are slightly quieter now I mean you know you still got a rumble in the media but there's not
1: you know it's not on the
0: news every day and the the force um of the the conversation isn't as strong um so I wanted to hear your thoughts on, on where you think we are now whether you think we're in a a better place than we were, you know, at the beginning of the year, or whether you know more action needs to be done, and it needs to be loud, and it needs to be right now. Um, yeah, I just wanted to hear what your, what your thoughts
1: are. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, question, though, because obviously all of this has happened uh, against the backdrop of a of a pandemic, mm-hmm. um, and therefore it's, quite, it's it's difficult to keep it in the in the spotlight. Um, Other than the fact that there there is an overlap, because we know that people from um, ethnic backgrounds are disproportionately more likely to be adversely affected by uh, the pandemic. So so the conversation does carry on, but the the big conversation you're talking about, you're right, um, it can go from a sort of shout into a whisper, um, and and we've got to make sure that the the voice uh, is raised again and and not just lost. But, the, but this isn't a unique situation, uh, and I, and I was saying this to anybody that's listening. If you think about um, the likes of Rodney King uh, in 1991, if you can think about Stephen Lawrence in 1993, um, and then you, you, you fast forward to now and George Floyd, so these are situations that have happened before in history, and going back way back when uh, before um, before Rodney King, so you end up with a circle. Um, and you just go around and around. And so, um, in terms of using modern day parlance, parlance you need a circuit breaker. Right. So you need to be able to turn that circle into a straight line. Um, and if you don't do that, then we're just gonna keep going around and around and around. What we saw with Black Lives Matter was a circuit breaker. Well, there was so many people from all different backgrounds that recognised it to be wrong, that it broke it. Broke the circuit and suddenly we had that straight line. And that's fantastic. But you're right if we're not careful then the straight line goes back to being a circle um and so how do we do that well black history months is an opportunity for us to to talk about it and to not just to um talk about the challenging issues but to celebrate to celebrate the contributions because if you're continually negative people mm. so we well, have to be positive there have been Um, a lot of positive things that have happened. One of the things that really uplifted me was when I looked at the crowds of people across the world, it was to see people of all different backgrounds standing side by side. Um, And for me, that was huge. And those images will endure. So we just have to make sure that we keep doing podcasts such as this, that we keep having uh, Q&As, that we keep... Uh, having exhibitions uh, where we are showcasing um, talent, that we that we keep doing things, that we keep seeing programmes on TV which are reflective of the positive contributions of people from diverse backgrounds. So all of those things, and you know these big companies out there, I ask them to learn the lessons to make sure that they've got policies in place, so that we can slowly see structural change. And if we can see structural change, and what will happen in in, in due course is that we won't need to have these conversations. The structures that were built, going back way back when, 200 or so years ago, are what endure, and these conversations have got to make sure the structures um, change. So even if we're not all talking about it loudly,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm hoping that there was enough said for companies Organizations out there to recognize the need for structural change because there were voices that were being heard from people on the ground of different backgrounds and colours from around the world. Mm. Now it's their responsibility to take this forward, not just not just ours.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you think that it's a the way you're saying it's almost it's a it's a it's on the responsibility of everyone. So it comes from it's a grassroots movement, but it's also senior management. It's, you know, it's at all levels, but I wonder whether you, you have any opinions on where politics plays into this, because obviously we have, I'm not even going to talk about the U S cause it's a mess of a situation and we're very close to the election, but you know, the UK government, um, commissioned a, you know, uh, an inquiry, but where does that go really? How does that affect change? What can they really do? Or is, is, it, is it just each individual for themselves making a decision, as you say, and it's our culture, it's our art, it's our, you know, do we have to take on the responsibility or is there a place for government within this?
1: There, there is a, a massive place for government. Um, and the simple, uh, one of the simple answers is basically this, is that they need to stop commissioning all of these reviews start reading them and start implementing the recommendations. It's, it's you know, it's really. If you look at healing a divided Britain as a review, if you look at the David Lammy report, uh, the first, one, all of these reports, even the Mary Seacole Trust literature review, yeah, you know, they are saying the same thing over and over and over again, and that is that there is a need for structural change. And we as individuals cannot do that. We can talk about it and complain about it, sometimes not even comply with it. But the reality is to change it, that requires political involvement uh, because that's how our laws essentially are, are made. And the behaviors that come from those changes need to be monitored and overseen again through structures which need to be created uh, through the political machinery, so audits, fantastic, but only if you're going to do something about them when you've, when you've learned that there is, you know, uh, uh, unequal pay disparities and things like that. Um, so putting the machinery in place, the structure requires political involvement, monitoring it, overseeing it, and enforcing it also requires structures. And you need to have the political will for all of that to be put in place. Individually, we can do so much, but Mm it's difficult for us to make structural change.
0: Um, Um, I guess, you know, we've had conversations about what that means in terms of, you know, what the... um, in terms of, you know, the work environments that we operate in. So we've talked about sort of, the, you and I have talked a lot about the legal sector and what can be done there. Um, but just to, um, just to sort of, because I want to sort of end it on, end this on a, a positive note, you know, what what do you see as the, are there any things that you can point to, whether from the government or from society that is like, you know, that has made real change and this has really impacted my life and, the, you know, the, the lives of my community and, um, you know, we want to see more of, of whatever this is.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are, um... Uh, it will be difficult for me to say um, that it's all bad, because it isn't. And I, I said a little while ago... Um, It is about making your parents proud if you can. And I gave a talk the other day and I showed this picture of my mother standing outside her house in Jamaica. Now, where she lived is a a, a, a very poor area, a very poor part of Jamaica. Um, And the red dirt of the ground where the kids would run around barefoot, where they had no work, no employment, uh, they had nowhere to go and they would just play joyfully Uh, uh, in um, in the red door that that was was, their lives Uh, and then they left that to come here um, to help try and contribute to rebuilding this nation
0: Mm.
1: and here am I, a black lawyer and when I took my kids back to my mother's house it's still the family house out there um, they could see the journey they could see the journey and and that's, that's a huge thing that we've come a long way. Um, And, you know, I'm not going to to, to sit here now as a black lawyer on the greatest nations as I see it in the the world, because it's so incredibly diverse. It's so incredibly well-meaning. A lot of what happens, happens through ignorance and historic structures that haven't been dismantled yet. But actually, it's incredible that we can all be alongside each other in the way if you look at this podcast all of us from different backgrounds that's what makes this city It's what makes this country um, so great so um, can I sleep well at night uh, yes because I can look at my mother and my father and they will say it was the right thing to come here to this country and they're not just proud of me but they're proud of so many other people like me from different backgrounds who have taken their opportunities and have made something of their lives, and then have given something back. And that's fantastic, because the opportunity for me to do that has come from people around me, my firm, or Barlow, et etc. etc um, So, you know, this is a wonderful opportunity, and what we've seen now at Black Lives Matters just enables us to, to finish off the job and finally get rid of all of those sort of issues that have been around for so long. Um, but let's not forget the fact that you know we are living at a great time, and this pandemic has taught us perhaps the simplest of things: enjoy your friends, enjoy your family, and give each other a big hug, as Mary would have done. Well,
0: that's a perfect
1: way to end. Thank you so much, Trevor, for your time. Bye. You're welcome. <laughs>